What happens when the world you've helped create goes horribly wrong? In The Children, a nuclear accident is the background to a corrosive reunion between three old friends, scientists whose values and passions dwell on contaminated ground. Hello, I'm Fiona Gruber, and I caught up with playwright Lucy Kirkwood to talk about the way her play uses suspense and a savage humour to examine the legacy each generation passes down to its children. I've been trying to find a way for quite a long time to write about climate change and I suppose human intervention into our environment and what the consequences and fallout and responsibilities of that have been and how we're all trying to grapple with those right now. And then the horrible disaster at Fukushima happened and the story and the crucible for talking about all of those things but in a very different way became apparent to me. So Fukushima, there was a meltdown at the nuclear power station caused by a tsunami meant the mass evacuation of hundreds of thousands of people and the whole area is still contaminated. But you've set this in a, you know, a small coastal town in England next to a nuclear power station and you've kind of created a very Anglo scenario for a very similar event, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. I was very captivated at the, at the Japanese national response to the disaster. It was very moving and the particular inspiration for the play was that there was this retired nuclear task force who volunteered themselves to go back to, to do the clear up at the at the power station but I was really interested in transposing that onto an English sensibility and uh, one of the bits I really like in the play is that after you get a very full account of what happened during the disaster and it ends with I'm sorry did you say you wanted tea and it's <laughs> she's just described this horrific tidal wave and this awful earthquake and this series of explosions and it ends with a, with a cup of tea which is the English way. You've got three characters and they're all in their 60s, and they're all nuclear scientists. But it's also a play about the arrival of a long-lost friend. Your characters are so delicious, I can't help feeling that you wanted to do a three-hander with sexual tension between the three characters. Yeah, it's the only play I've written that, for me, feels like it's all hewn out of the same bit of wood, like one of those Henry Moore sculptures, and it came fairly fully formed, the scenario, um, which is quite unusual for me, because normally I sort of take a very long time to conceive the sort of basics of a play. Um... The play thematically is about people in conversation with decisions they made 30 years ago. So that feels emotionally like the right thing for them to be doing as well. And so there is this character, Rose, who returns, who has particular relationships with both this husband and this wife, Hazel and Robin. And so the play is about a sort of emotional excavation, but also an intellectual excavation of all the things they've done over the years in the intervening 38 years since they've last seen each other. Rose is a real disruptor, isn't she? Because she had an affair. I don't think we're giving away too much to say she had an affair with Robin. And we're not quite sure, you know, how long it lasted. And there's obviously a massive amount of sexual attraction still going on. There's a real tension there, isn't there? Yeah, I um, the, the, the play starts with the two women on their own. You don't know why Rose is there at that point and you don't know any of this history and it's sort of slowly finding that out. But I think uh, the setting of a play is one of the most crucial elements to it and it's really important to think about why that space is charged and what's off stage and what's on stage. And for me, it's a, the beginning of the play is about two women who both think it's their kitchen. Um, <laughs> and, and kitchens are such sort of primal spaces, I think, particularly for women. But this is, at the moment, because of an emergency situation, Hazel considers it to be her kitchen. But it's been the location of Rose and Robin's affair. So Rose considers it her kitchen, although Hazel doesn't know that yet. And I think there's something about two women in a domestic space, both thinking that they own the cupboards, um, which is quite charged for me um, and I found that really uh, beguiling. So these three characters they're in their 60s and you are a child of the 80s so you're 30 years at least younger 
Are you fascinated by that generation? Um, I'm very grateful to that generation. Certainly in this country, they were a generation that turned quite a uh, provincial, mealy-mouthed little island into a much more tolerant, uh, joyful place. So that you know, they were responsible for a sexual revolution and a revolution in tolerance and in food and in all sorts of really exciting things. So I'm very grateful to them. But just because of the way our economy has gone, the way our culture has gone, they are the people with the power right now. Actually, than the people who vote, they're the people who own all the houses. So it's a it's a, certainly a generation that my generation is in conversation with. Um, that said, I also think that in 30 years' time, if this play is still being performed, I will be Hazel's age and my children will be having the same conversation with me. So to some extent that it's not about a specific generation, but it is about these people in terms of they were born at a, a certain time and made certain decisions because of the culture of the time, because of the prevailing ideology about energy or about what was what were the important values. And they're now looking at those and and, and reviewing them, shall we say. Because there's a line in the play that Hazel says, I don't know how to want less. So in a sense, it's about a generation that grew up thinking that, you know, expansion and growth and and materialism was fine. But then these are the consequences, aren't they? I'm so glad you picked up on that line, because to me, that's one of the most important lines of the play. So it's about, it's an anti-capitalist play in lots of ways for me, because you can't constantly have more without something giving eventually, can you? And I've inherited that idea of, of how the world should run from, from that generation. We all have, we all live in that. It's, it, none of us live out with it, I don't think, unless you're some sort of brilliant, self-sufficient person who lives in a you know in a tent in the middle of nowhere foraging for berries we all um are very much caught up in this idea of permanent growth so how you possibly run counter to the prevailing ideology of your day is one of the questions of the play it's really hard to do that and i want to be honest about how hard it is to do that and all the changes that we need to make to meaningfully address climate change are going to feel really hard because they're going to run counter to all of the brilliant things that capitalism's given us in the 20th century which and they are all brilliant they feel sexy and gorgeous and tasty and um but there needs to be a structural change if we're going to actually rescue our environment as well as being a play that's about environmental disaster it's also a play about sexual politics isn't it and robin he's a root rat isn't he that's a root rat that's a great word what does that mean an australian term you know he shags about (laughs) and you know there he is this guy in his 60s he's got a wife he's got his ex-lover there there's massive tension going on but he's happy. Well, it's interesting you say because some of those things are things that I think are more specific to a particular generation. And I think there's certainly, I look at that baby boomer generation and there there was a generation of women who some of them accepted their husbands would be unfaithful in the way that I'd, I can't imagine a lot of my generation doing that now. That doesn't seem to be something that is accepted into the idea of marriage so much. I don't think from a puritanical point of view, but from a women's rights point of view, actually. You know, there's a line where the husband and wife have a slight dispute about their memories of who looked after the kids when, and you know, changed dirty nappies and stuff, and Robin disputes her... Uh, suggestion that he didn't do that much and she says oh, I'm so sorry I must have remembered my entire life wrong this is one of my favorite lines in it because it just tells us that she's the one who's done all the childcare. she's done all the cooking and cleaning and changing the nappies and she's probably made the costumes for Halloween and she's been there to let them in from school and he's probably been a really good dad but he's also not 
been a modern dad I don't think and equally as you say I think he's been someone who's had a fairly um, omnivorous sexual appetite and to some extent that's sort of the unspoken wound of their marriage I think which is why there's an off-screen character called Douglas in the play who was sort of me trying to give Hazel a little bit of sexual intrigue of her own back it was a little something I wrote as a gift to Hazel that there was perhaps someone in the plant who she rather fancied and might she might balance the scales in terms of marital infidelity. Now this play has been on in London and was then on in New York. Did audiences react differently or critics react differently? I was interested in how similar the audience response was. Once you've been through one production of a play, you sort of retain the music of it in your body like it's a muscle so sitting in the auditorium I can feel my body responding to the fact I know there might be a laugh coming or there might be a a shock coming or there might be an uncomfortable moment coming or so and and I was struck by how similar so many of those were over the pond I think there's a darker humour the Brits find more funny than the Americans which I've got a hunch maybe Australia would be more aligned with the British sense of humour than the US one you know, it's a play that uh, I know some people call it a slow burn, but it all happens in real time. It's about just sitting with these people and understanding their lives and understanding the consequences and meanings and stakes of their decisions. And I was struck in both countries by the sort of intelligence that the audience rewarded it with and their attention and their patience and how connected they were with those characters by the end of the play. So I hope that's the same in, in Australia too. Well, Lucy Kirkwood, thanks very much indeed. Thank you very much. It's been great talking to you and I'm very pleased to know the word root rat and I'll be finding ways to use it. And the Children is on between the 3rd of February and the 10th of March at Southbank Theatre, The Sumner. Book online at mtc.com.au or phone the box office on 03-86-88-0800. This podcast is part of the MTC Talk series. To listen to more episodes from the series, visit mtc.com.au slash mtctalks or search for MTC Talks in the iTunes Store or on SoundCloud.